Welcome to Conversations with Anne Elizabeth, the podcast inspired by my book, I'm a Registered Dietitian, Now What?, where I have the absolute joy to sit back, relax, and have a conversation about nutrition with a variety of people who share their personal story of passion and purpose, especially registered dietitians. My conversation today is with Gisela Bouvier, a registered dietitian with the most sincere passion in helping others practice body kindness and mindful eating. Happy New Year, everybody. It's 2018. I hope you are looking back on 2017 and you are proud of all that it was. I'm lucky to still be on the airwaves with each of you. So thank you for making my 2017 by tuning into my podcast. I am looking forward to trying out some new things this year with the podcast. And I always welcome your feedback. If you have a guest you would like me to have on or a topic that you would like me to find a guest to discuss, go to my website and fill out the podcast pop-up. This is a great way that I can connect with you and continue making 2018 a great podcast adventure. I have to give a shout out to another year with my first podcast partner and thing I love, Jolly Time Popcorn. As you all know by now, popcorn is my absolute favorite snack. Sometimes I will eat it in bed and find a few pieces that fell asleep with me and I will find them in bed with me and they will end up on the floor and sometimes on my face. It's not uncommon. My go-to is Jolly Time Simply Pop Popcorn because it is full of simple ingredients and I really do think it's the best tasting microwave popcorn out there. To learn more and get some money-saving coupons, go to jollytime.com. I feel Instagram is the social media matchmaker for like-minded people by connecting us with each other. And that enters Gisela. Connecting with her through Instagram led to a quick but intimate meeting at Fancy and this amazing conversation. This was a gift to me. This conversation is fantastic. As she told me before, she is an open book and shares her own personal journey through an eating disorder, being in jobs that she didn't like and didn't bring her joy, and therefore leading her to the passionate and purposeful life she leads today. Each time I have listened to our conversation, I actually get happy tears in my eyes because she is just so inspiring. So do one positive thing for yourself today, and please listen to my great conversation with Gisela. Well, really, this conversation is kind of about you okay. um, and just kind of your journey of becoming a dietitian. And I know that you and I had some great conversation in our short time just about, you know, some personal things that you went through. And I just kind of want to learn more about you and, and how you got interested in being a dietitian and what's kind of led to led you to where you are today. So how far do we go back? <laughs> oh, that's, um, you know, I really got into nutrition back in high school. Um, I had struggled with an eating disorder. I want to say it really started peak in middle school. But I feel like since I was a child, I had really, really, really bad body image. And, um, you know, I remember being in kindergarten and comparing like my, uh, my knees to other girls, like they had square knees and I had round knees and then their collarbones sticked out. Mine didn't. So maybe I was overweight, things like that, that you don't, I mean, it's very, it's very real that young girls are comparing themselves at such a young age. So really in middle school is when I thought I started learning nutrition and I it ended up being the total back burner. Nutrition was, it was controlling me, not me controlling nutrition. And it wasn't a healthy nutrition. So a senior year of high school, I took a fitness and like nutrition class. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. I'm totally cured. And I'm going to, I want to do this and help people the rest of my life. And so that's what I did. I started undergrad and I went to Florida International University in Miami. And I was like, I'm going to be a dietitian. And unfortunately for me, the more I learned, the more I got sick. So I, uh, started working as a dietitian. Right before that, I went into my first inpatient treatment center. Um, as a dietitian, I was very good at manipulating my therapy. And um, basically, like they wanted me to put on supplements, like a weight gain regimen and things like that. And I said, no, I, I totally at the time was saying that I was vegetarian based on because I was restricting, not because it was intuitive. And I kind of want to touch base on that a little bit afterward. 
And uh, then, you know, I was like, they, I let them, I made them let me exercise three times a week. So it was a lot of manipulation there going on. So needless to say, I, it didn't, the, the four weeks in intensive didn't help. And I didn't continue with therapy after that. And after that, uh, I started working full time as an RD when I came back home and I loved my job. I was in a small clinical setting and I really helped to implement there the nutrition care process. And I loved being a dietitian. I loved everything about being able to help people through food, even if it meant in the clinical and acute aspect. And, uh, again, as time went by, the, uh, the sicker I got. And finally I reached uh, my wits end and I was like, okay, I, I need help. And the biggest downfall I had was that I didn't continue any type of therapy post my, my initial treatment. I had gone to other therapists and things like that, but nobody that really could help me. And I went to Oliver Pyatt Center in Miami and I just knocked on their door and said, please help me. And I thought, Aww. yeah, I, I mean, I did. And I thought, well, I'm, I'm going to be able to still work full time and I'll do this outpatient and, you know, we'll be good to go. I'll get rid of this thing called Ed. And I, I was very wrong and they did my intake and they said, you need inpatient treatment. And I was like, no, you people are crazy. And, um, but I accepted after a lot of debates and I, I, I went in and it was, I was their first dietitian. They had had dietetic students before they had had lawyers and, uh, psychologists, all types of women in different career fields and, and girls in high school and things like that, but never did they have a dietitian. So I, was very good at, I thought, trying to manipulate my therapy, and I definitely was not. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't get that opportunity there, huh? No, I did not. But, you know, there is where I really learned about mindful and intuitive eating. And when they talked to me about it, and this was not that long ago. This was uh, seven years ago. August 16th was seven years that I it was admitted. And, um, and I, when they would came in, they're like, you know, we want to teach you to really feed yourself according to your hunger cues and what your body desires and really teach you that your body can eat anything that it wants. And it's going to stop when it's satisfied and you've reached your fullness. And I was like, what? I didn't learn this in school. You people are crazy. <laughs> I really, like, I literally, it was like my epic battle with them. And when we have to be in like in therapy before a meal, like, what, how hungry we were, how full. And I was like, I, I cannot even with you guys, but you know, as you're there and it's a very humbling experience because, uh, you're, you're with other women who struggle with the same thing. And for me, I thought my eating disorder came from my poor body image. And while I was there, it's really when I had a therapist that made me realize how you marry your Ed, Ed owns you because it's a way of your coping with other traumatic things that may have happened in your life that maybe that your mind has blocked. And I really had to tap into that and say, okay, I recognize why I had an eating disorder and that was the first step for me. And then I could focus on my relationship with food. And that really helped me. And then my 10 weeks of inpatient treatment were, were up and I was deathly scared of going back to the real world. And I was like, I'm not ready. I hadn't reached the point yet where I could eat on my own in the outside world. So a week before therapy and then before I had to go back, I started telling them to blindfold me. And my biggest thing was that I used to freak out when I would see a meal. So I, I became very disconnected from food and um, I couldn't taste it. I couldn't enjoy it. I was scared out of my mind Food fears was was a hundred percent in me, and by blindfolding me, not letting me see what they were gonna, what I was gonna be fed, or the portion size, or anything, is it made me taste food for what it was again, and it was an incredible experience. And I literally choke up thinking about it because to taste a Snickers bar again, and you had it in years, and it just reminded you of like your grandfather. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, it it's. It's little things like that, that this is why it made me realize why I wanted to be a dietitian because I did become a dietitian to help people and I needed that experience. And I, after I left inpatient treatment, I did 12 weeks of outpatient treatment and it was working all day. And then four days a week for three hours a day, I'd go to outpatient therapy. So it was another intensive um, treatment. And from there, um, I continued journey here and there about with different therapists and things like that. And I kept working as a dietitian in different fields, whether it was renal or I moved on to a bigger hospital. 
Um, I did a little bit of bariatrics and I loved what I did, but I was realizing that I wasn't happy in what I was doing. And last year, I absolutely hated my job. I was doing menu database analysis for hospitals and I was sitting in in front of a computer all day and I went back to, wait a minute, I became a dietitian to help people. And I'm ready. I'm so far into my recovery that I'm ready to take that step because that was my biggest fear was, would I ever go and help people to the point where I would, you know, take a step back? And I didn't want that, but I I was ready. And it really took for me to hate my job and hate what I was doing to say, all right, just so that you've got this, go for it. And that's kind of how my journey started. And when I first started as an, uh, as basically my private practice, I was like, okay, well, let's, let's figure this thing out. And initially I did, uh, figure, I guess I, I thought, oh, I have to figure, I have to focus on weight loss because that's what us dietitians do. It's teach people to eat healthy and meet your goal weight and things like that. And I was realizing that I wasn't being authentic to myself because at the end of the day, I didn't want to put anybody on a structured meal plan and be rigid and, and stress over food. I wanted people to learn this mindful and intuitive eating. And I started rebranding myself and I said, you know what? No, I'm going to stick to my gut. And this is why I want to help people. My goal is to help women with these strained relationships with food and learn to love food again, learn to, you know, to taste food again, to enjoy, to not stress out when there's, you know, a buffet in front of them at a dinner party or when there's a vacation coming up or whatever it is. And it, I, that's what I started to do. And I, and I'm so happy that I did because I'm able to connect with so many women on so many levels. And you realize that it's not just because, you know, their goal is weight loss. No, they're how they feel about themselves their body image, their relationships, all that affects their relationship with food. And so it's really getting into the nitty gritty as to what's going on around them, their stress level, uh, maybe issues with their husband or, you know, they moms with, with kids, uh, being a mom is hard and, and the stress factor that comes with that. And so being able to just say, all right, well, let's, let's figure out what's going on and let's just take it one step at a time. I'm not going to put you on something structured a meal plan to where that's going to cause another stress. It's, Hey, right now you don't eat breakfast. Let's start with breakfast. What kind of foods do you enjoy? And then go from there. And really teaching women to love food again is and, and experiencing that food freedom that I got to experience is such a big part of it, it is fundamentally what I do to help people. And so really your private practice came out of your own personal experiences, but as well as your passion for your for eating disorders of all different kinds. Yes, exactly. And and the thing is, you know, not everybody has a set eating disorder, but so many, I mean, everybody that I know basically has some kind of disordered eating pattern, whether it's stress related to food, whether it's that you hear all the gimmicks and stuff that you read online and you believe mm-hmm. them. And I mean, anything that causes that stress is what I try to remove. I'll tell you, even um, I was mentioning this last night on my live on my Instagram that uh, my family is from Argentina and in Argentina, one of their biggest myths is that you can't eat fruit after dinner because it stays on the top of your stomach and then it rots. And so you can't have fruit. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? what? Like, yes, <laughs> I just heard this on Thanksgiving. Um, and I was like, okay guys, let's go back to science, but you know, things like that. So I'm like, are you guys really not going to eat a piece of fruit after dinner? Because that, those are the myths that you mm-hmm. hear. You know, and just like, well, no, I can't have, you know, this fruit salad as a dessert because, you know, so little things like that, that's adding some kind of stress or like disappointment in food. You don't want that. So it's, it's going back to those basics. It's, Hey, let's enjoy food again and take away any stress factor that comes from that. I think it's amazing that you, like you mentioned, I think almost everybody has some form of disordered eating just because like you said of what they read in a magazine or of what they hear by someone that told them something, that telephone conversation. It's amazing how much it affects so much of our population. It, it does. And, you know, and today I was talking to a client and we were talking about how like diet culture itself it, or, you know, what you see in the media or the fitness industry. It's like, okay, you want you, everyone has a goal weight, let's say. So that goal weight, what if that's not your set point? And I'm, I'm a big believer in the set point in set point theory which is where your body, it's the weight range where your body functions most optimally. And a woman who's 
five foot four at 32 years old may have a weight range uh, set point of 125 to 135 pounds. But and a woman of the same age and stature may have one of 150 to 160 pounds. And we have to accept that no human body is the same. So when you see all these things about, oh, my weight goal, my weight goal, you're fighting that set point. What kind of stress are you putting on your body physically and emotionally and mentally? So, and then, okay, you've reached that number. Does it, does it really stop there? No, then you're going to be so set on trying to stay at that number that your relationship with food is only going to become even more strained. It's not your, that number on that scale is not going to make you any happier. That's so true. That is so true. And it's hard for people that, I think sometimes it's harder for people that are at a healthy weight. Like what I would say, wow, you're doing great. They become more obsessed with it. Yes. Yes. And, um, and that's exactly the conversation I was having with my client today. And I said, I said, so does that number on the scale make you more worthy than what you were before? And that's not the case. And then, okay, well, what if, what if that number shifts again? Are you less worthy of certain foods? Or, well, okay, well, now that I made my goal weight, goal weight, I can eat all the ice cream I want, but then that weight starts to creep up. And it's, so it's a vicious cycle and it's, Somebody may, you may see someone and say they've got, you know, a healthy weight and they eat well, but do we really know what kind of strain is there, you know, around that, around their eating? Are they, you know, viciously counting everything that goes into their body? Are they trying to work it out for three hours a day? I did that. I worked out, I would leave work at four o'clock, be at at the gym by 4.30 and I would be in there till 7.30. And it was oh not, yeah, no, <laughs> no lie. And because, and I would count every step that I, that I walked, I would count every bite that went into my mouth. Why? Because I had a number that I was trying to fight and try to, you know, trying to get to that scale. How was that going to affect me in life? It wasn't. Mm-hmm. And I was going to want to fight every bit of me to get to stay at that number. What, what for? That's so true. And it, it is like, why? What am I doing? I think mm-hmm. when you peel it all back and you really look at it, like just coming back to that question, what is it all for? Does it make you any less worthy of yeah. of eating something you enjoy or, you know, doing something that you enjoy instead of going to the gym for three hours? You know, yeah. like, where's that quality of life? Exactly. Exactly. And today, you know, I, I put an Insta story about that I was lacking a little bit of motivation at the gym and I went there. I was like, you know, I'm just going to have a short workout. And I started my workout and I was like, this is not going to happen today. My body is like, no, dude, you're tired. It's not, (laughs) it's not going to happen. And so what did I do? I just did a little bit of cardio and I was done and I went home back seven years ago. I would have been so mad at myself because I didn't go hard and all in at the gym and, you know, be that, that ruggedness you see in the media. And, you know, it's, it's just like food should be as mindful and intuitive. So should exercise. And that's so important. We shouldn't be at the gym to burn calories. We should be at the gym because it makes us feel good. Mm-hmm. I love that yeah. today when you said that in your story about how you're like, yep, my body just wasn't feeling it. So I love <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, all right, I'm, I'm done. And you know, it's probably just one of those weeks that my body's asking me that yesterday I thought about going to the gym or do I go to yoga? I went to yoga and it was magnificent, you know, and, and that's okay. And it, it shouldn't be a factor to where we're putting strain on our body, just like, you know, emotionally with food, um, physically at the gym, because we feel like we have to burn or we have calories or we have to look a certain way. It should be because exercise is good for us, releases endorphins, you know, makes us stronger whatever. And it's, it, they both go hand in hand because if you're going to the gym Mm -hmm. for the wrong reasons, it's the same way while you're eating the steamed broccoli that you hate so much, but you know, you feel like (laughs) it's going to make you lose weight. Like, so true. (laughs) You you know? So, um, you know, I, I talk a lot to my clients, um, about meal prepping. And so when they hear the term meal prepping, a lot of times they think of, well, on Sundays, I'm going to cook for three hours and weigh everything out and portion it and put it in all containers so that I'm eating the same lunch from Monday through Friday. And I tell them, I was like, that, that is not me at all. What I want you to do is, you know, when you cook dinner on Monday night or maybe Sunday, you have a little bit extra. So you have for a couple of days and I want you to build your meals based on what you have. And so today I, I did a post on raid your fridge Wednesday and, um, it re- was really about 
what's in my refrigerator and what can I, what, based on that, what can, what kind of meal can I make for myself that I'm going to truly desire and want and enjoy? And when we get to get into that, again, that stressful part of meal prepping viciously and having the same food all week that we don't know if we're going to want the same thing Thursday that we had on Monday. And we're making our bodies think this is what you want and this is what you need. Those exact four ounces of chicken. That's, that's again, that's so awful. It's so awful. It's so <laughs> awful. And, and you know, but the so much in the media and diet culture and the fitness industry and everything that we see nowadays is revolved around that. And really it, it makes such a knot in my stomach because I'm like, when did that happen? And I, I always tell my clients and I said it on my Instagram live last night. When we're babies, we are crying hysterically when we want hunger, probably because our moms, you know, waited till we were a one on the hunger scale. Um, and, then, <laughs> like, um, and then we are pushing the milk away, you know, when we're full and we're like, we're done. And sometimes, you know, moms are worried like, oh, well, she only had two ounces. But then at the, you know, the bottle last time at four, you know, two hours ago was, you know, six ounces, whatever it is. But we're being intuitive. We're, we're telling in, in tune with our bodies as far as fullness and hunger cues are concerned. So I always tell them like, it's a natural human instinct to eat when we're hungry, stop when we're full. And so it's really retraining our bodies to feel that again, signaling that your stomach to signal your brain when it's hungry and when it's full, because I'm sure, Anne, you've heard how many women is particularly men too. Well, I have a cup of coffee in the morning then I don't eat anything till like four o'clock. And you're like, uh, yeah, you know, and you're like, yeah, that's that food. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I'm sorry. What? And then they're like, yeah. And I'm like, no, trust me. Your, your stomach is knocking at you saying, please feed me. I uh, just please, but we're so out of, we're so disconnected from our bodies that we don't even realize that. And now tell me more about that. So you feel like, do you really feel like people are just that disconnected with what their body is telling them? I do. I really do. And the thing is, I experience it all the time with, with my clients. Like, well, you know, I just, I don't know. I just don't get hungry. And I'm like, do you really not get hungry? And it might be also that they've trained their bodies not not to ask for nourishment. And that's what it comes down to. And we let life get in the way of whether it's work or picking up the kids or cleaning the house or whatever it is that we've totally become disconnected. And really taking the time to sit down and eat a meal is part of that self-care and self-love. And when we're putting ourselves last, that we're totally disconnected from our bodies. Completely. And I'm, I'm a big believer in that. That's kind of true though. It's like you do put everything else ahead of you or ahead of the things that you need for everyone else. Well, maybe that's just dietitians and type A personality people. Yeah. I don't know, but, <laughs> or women in general, but yeah, I would, that kind of, you just gave me kind of an aha moment, just kind of yeah. thinking of working with clients that way. Yeah. Yep. I always like ask them, okay, what's your schedule? Like? And anytime I work with a client, I do ask them, for like an intake form. I want to see, you know, for 24 hours, kind of what they eat. And m- many clients definitely don't eat enough. And I, my then question is now, are you not eating enough? A, cause you're not disconnected with your bodies. B, you're portioning everything out to what, you know, some 1200 calorie diet online told you to portion to, <laughs> um, <laughs> or uh, C, there's something else going on. So it's, it's, I mean, and you'd be surprised with the kind of responses that you get. It's, well, no, I'm too stressed out. No, I don't know how to cook. So I'd really rather not do it. Um, no, well, yeah, I kind of like graze here and there. Okay. Well, did you write any of that down? So there's so many factors going on that we really have to figure out why is there such a disconnect between food and the individual? And you probably, I mean, like when I think about you saying, I, when I think about you going and knocking on a treatment center door and saying, please help me, like you obviously were at that point where you're like, I need help. And there's so many people that, people that you work with that haven't gotten to that point yet, which is why they're coming to you. And you are a huge benefit to them because you've gone through such intense treatment that you realize all these things that they don't. Yes, exactly. And I... You know, and not to say that I only work with people with eating disorders, but I definitely, I feel like, like we talked about before, that as, uh, mo- maybe 80% of the population has some kind of strained relationship with food. And mm-hmm. it's about figuring out why, what's, what's going on there. 
So I figure out, all right, so let's chat with clients. I first, we talk about, Hey, if you're that type of client that you're having one cup of coffee a day and then not eating till four o'clock. Okay. Well, let's get some breakfast in and let's, let's make that your first goal. Or if you're a client that sits there and, and relies on food for as an emotional support. Okay. What's going on? Are you just sitting there mindlessly, you know, not portioning something out, watching TV, you know, on your cell phone being totally disconnected because of technology or because of emotions? You know, so there's a lot of factors that play into that. And the same thing also, I feel many, most of us women are, are very self-conscious and we beat ourselves up a lot. And we're always looking at the negatives that we have and none of the positives. And the reality is that we don't have negatives, but we're so used to beating ourselves down that we don't know how to be positive. And that has such a huge correlation with food and how we nourish our bodies. And that's profound. That's so true because there really are no negatives. We just beat ourselves up and make it worse. We just beat ourselves up. And last week I had all of my clients that they had to stand in front of a mirror and give themselves three positive affirmations. All of them came back saying that they couldn't do it. Oh, that's like heartbreaking. It's (laughs) heartbreaking. But why did that happen? Because we're so used to looking in the mirror and seeing the negatives. We don't know how to find the positives. We don't know how to do it. That's so sad. And that's, I mean, like, how do we change that? How do you think we change that as a society? Um, so I am so happy that there are more and more dietitians being on board with the mindful, intuitive eating, you know, health at every size uh, movement, because it really shouldn't have to be a movement. It should have been instilled since the beginning, you know, as it was. So Marilyn, <laughs> Marilyn Monroe was at what, a size 12 and she was beautiful and gorgeous. Nobody judged her, you know. Um, so, but what society has become. So I think that's a huge factor in it. I think more and more people actually seeking help with dietitians and nutrition experts versus, you know, going to their local, you know, beefcake personal trainer, not no offense to them, but they're going to put them Mm -hmm. on the same type of regimen as they do any other client client and not figure out what's going on beyond that. And, you know, for me, a client and I, I told, I told every client when they're standing in front of a mirror and, and being able to say something positive themselves, there's such a, when you're able to be good to you, to yourself and love yourself, there's a huge, um, correlation between the relationship you have with food. Because when you're able to sit and enjoy a meal, that's self love. That's saying, oh, I love this. My body's enjoying it and I deserve this and I'm worthy of it. Just like looking in the frame, a mirror and saying, I'm beautiful. It's because you are completely worthy of everything that you have in this life and everything in this world. And so, and that's that confidence and that sense of love resonates with food. Because if you're saying, well, my thighs are too big and then you're going into the kitchen saying, well, I can't eat that because then I'm just going to hate myself more. And uh, these thighs are never going to go away. And there's such a huge correlation with that. And we don't even think about that. Oh, that's so true. That just, that gave me goosebumps because you're so, you're so right. I mean, it starts with, it just can be one thing that sets someone off into a spiral. Yes. Yes. So when I think about um, just your, your practice and what you do as a dietitian, I really feel like you're more, you're into nutrition, but you're more of that therapist. Like, do you feel like you are more of that person that deals with emotions and kind of counseling and motivational interviewing more than saying, Hey, this is what you need to eat. Yes, absolutely. There's definitely a huge motivational interviewing uh, aspect of my practice because it's really asking and getting deep down as to why, what's going on. Uh, why are you doing these things? Uh, what's affecting you to be able to nourish your body? Uh, it's, it's asking those constant questions to really be able to give individualized client, uh, counseling to my clients. And every one of them is so different and I feel like when we just do nutrition, it's, it can be a wonderful thing. But when you have, when you work with people from so many backgrounds and I mean, different life experiences and, you know, different careers and, and whatever it is, you know, whether they have eight children, no children, so many factors come into play. You really need to figure out what's going on and how you can help them. So that me- motivational interviewing is so, so important. And at the end of the day, I feel like I am a, like a food therapist because it's, yeah. it's, <laughs> It's why can't you nourish yourself or what's going on? Why are you, you know, sitting there and eating, you know, your batch of cookies or just sitting there and eating, you know, plain celery sticks because you don't feel like you, you are, you deserve more than that. It's 
there's such a big, big correlation. And right now, one of my clients recently said, you know, Chisela, I'm, I'm working with you the past two months. I'm at the point where I can distinguish when I'm hungry, when I'm full. And she's able to realize like, hey, I don't have to sit here and eat my full dinner or I'm allowed to have more if I'm hungry. But it's slowly we're getting to a point where she's getting out of the diet mentality that, oh, she has to eat like the carb protein and veggies at every single meal. I was like, you know, that's a foundation for nutrition. No matter where you go, you want half your plate to be veggies and you know, you have your complex carb and your, your lean protein, but it doesn't mean that you, all your meals have to look, see, look that way. It's tonight. I just felt like having a big salad or I just felt like having a sandwich and that's okay. And it's really about saying all foods are okay. I don't tell my clients to look at food as natural, you know, junk, whole processed. I tell them food is food. I don't want you to look at it any other way. (laughs) Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. (laughs) Because, because when you start labeling food, you start putting restrictions and, and like a big halt sign on that food. And I don't believe in that. Absolutely not. No, that's kind of true though. Like when it comes to all the the labels out there and all the different nutrition claims that could definitely impact someone's relationship with food too. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. And it's really about finding what's going to satisfy you at that point. What's going to tell you your body's going to be, you know, comfortable. It's not going to be overly full. It's not going to, you're not going to be leaving it deprived, but it's going to satisfy you and it's going to make you happy. Like, "Mm, I enjoyed this today. And that's the way we should feel about. So I was thinking back to what you said earlier when you went to treatment and you Mm -hmm. were like, oh my gosh, I didn't learn any of this in school. And thinking about your practice now, do you feel like there's that similar disconnect between, um, you know, not saying it, you know, a treatment facility and not learning that as a dietitian, but do you kind of feel like you've been navigating this frontier without the right kind of education? Um, so yes and no. I think that there's now more education out there regarding, uh, mindful and intuitive eating. And I, you know, I, I take courses and webinars just because I really like to see what other dietitians are doing and their approaches and also what other ways I can discuss with my clients and really have them open up to me. But I think as far as my, my full education, my undergrad, there was a total disconnect from there. We had a little bit of motivational interviewing for one of my classes. But, but in regards to mindful and intuitive eating, totally disconnected. I, there was nothing there. I can, I, I'm a hundred percent of that. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that there is more now. And the reason why I say that is because I see a lot, especially on social media, a lot of like dietetic interns who also, once they get their RD, want to work in a field, uh, where they're helping people with strained relations with food, whether it's in the eating disorder field or, working one-on-one with clients who just have strained relationships with food. And I think that maybe now there is, or the fact that there's more education out there that's available outside of school is also a huge perk. Yeah. Cause you probably have gotten most of your, your education that way by, like you said, like doing webinars, you know, listening and talking to other dietitians that are working in it. Motivational interviewing. Do you have a recommendation for any education, like doing education in that as well? Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of the top of my head, which one I'll have to get back to you on that one. But I do yeah. feel like it is important. There's, there's a book that I had somewhere, but when we moved, I don't know where it is, but, um, <laughs> but yes, um, motivational interview is absolutely extremely essential. And the reason for that is again, is really getting to know your client and building that rapport and allowing yourself to provide individualized counseling. Because if you don't have that, then your practice, I feel, in my opinion, becomes very stagnant because you're not able to go further and deeper with your clients. And once I I realized that that was, besides the fact that, that I was rebranding myself to be a mindful diet, you know, mindful nutrition type of dietitian, I was really getting into the nitty gritty as to what's going on with my clients. Because without that, if I just said, okay, well, let's chat a little, all right, well, this is your intake. And well, these are my recommendations, then there's a whole disconnect. And I'm not, I'm not understanding what's going on in my, in my patient, in my client's life. Mm-hmm. That's so true. And I think it's for even people that want to lose, like I always feel like, and you might realize this too, people that want to lose weight, there's so much other things that they're carrying that they yes. need to work through first before they yes. can even get to their body's able to even lose weight. 
Yes, absolutely. And I'll tell you, um, I had, when I first started changing my practice to what was more authentic to me, I took a webinar with Chrissy Harrison, who is such a role model to me. And I asked her that. And I said, I said, what happens when a client comes to me for weight loss? And she said, that's not the priority. The priority is what's going on with them that A, that is their main goal. B, what's Mm -hmm. going on? What kind of relationship do they have with food that let's say they are quote unquote overweight in that aspect um, or that they feel like they need to lose weight? Mm -hmm. And that's what I do now. And I'll tell you, my, that's not my goal at all. Goal at all. all. Um, I'm sorry. My, one of my clients uh, recently, she, she, that was her initial uh, reason to come work with me was the weight loss. And I said, okay, I was like, that's not my main priority. It's, I want to figure out what's going on in your life and what's going on with how you nourish yourself. That that's the reason why you want to see the number on the scale change. Okay. And just by taking a more mindful approach and allowing herself to be intuitive and she has, you know, a, where she can't have snacks around because she feels like she overgrazes on them. So just being able to work on things like that with her, she's lost four pounds in the past four weeks. And she's like, I know that you weren't being intentional, but the fact that I am being more mindful and conscious as to when I'm feeding myself, when I'm not, you know, allowing myself to eat the foods that I like and and not like and not make myself eat things because they're diet foods, I've lost weight. And she is completely shocked that she has. (laughs) And, (laughs) but it's, I mean, I'm also, and I also talk about, you know, the whole stress factor. How does stress play a role in our bodies as far as weight gain or weight retention as well? And that is, it's huge. And I think stress equals fatigue, equals bad sleeping patterns, Mm -hmm. and then therefore equals disordered eating. And it's just one big cyclical disaster. Yes, Yes. it's it's a vicious, vicious cycle. And so it's, it's about just taking that therapeutic approach of, all right, let's take it one step at a time. Let's talk about the intuitive eating principles and why you should respect your body, honor your hunger, honor your fullness, be intuitive about your exercise and everything in between, because that's what health is. Health isn't a number on the scale. Health is how you feel. Health is how your relationship with food. Health is your emotional well-being, how you sleep, so many other things besides a number on a scale. Amen. Amen to that, sister. <laughs> and trust me, it's it's taken me a long time to be able to finally say, I'm ready to help people um, because I was scared for myself. You know, I was scared of, will other people's stressors become mine? And I realized, you know what, I am ready because I want to teach people to let go of those stressors and, and to be able to say, I'm worthy of eating and I'm worthy of enjoying food and I'm worthy of self-love. And I, that's one thing I admire about you so much because we did have that conversation about how sick you were and how much you struggled with that. And then you told me today that you worked as a full-time dietitian <laughs> during this whole time. And I can't believe, I mean, you are so strong for being able to, to really learn the principles and really heal yourself and be able to help others. Cause that's not easy as a dietitian. It's, it's not. And let me tell you, having a, being a dietitian, having a dietitian is not easy to accept either. Um, and doing nutrition therapy with a dietitian as a dietitian is not easy. But I, now I look back and think about all the skills she gave me besides my therapist and the things that she made me realize that I had, um, that showed factors of my disordered eating and my strained relationship with food. Something like not being able to pick up a sandwich and just eating sandwich. I would break it apart. And she'd be like, why, why do you do that? I'm like, because, you know, I, it, in my mind, it was smaller pieces meant I wasn't eating as much. You know, that was my Ed mentality. So little things like that, if I go, I do like to do different things with my clients, whether it's a walk in the park, if they're local or being able to go eat a meal with a client and just see how they react to food and um, what they do really showcases how stressful that relationship can be. So I think back always in my mind, the things that she said to me and she made me realize, and I I really put that toward my clients. I love that idea of um, doing an activity around food with Uh, a client. I think that's great. I never thought of that before. I I love doing it today. I did a, a grocery tour with a client and it wasn't your typical grocery tour of Hey, let's, you know, read the labels and here are your, here's your carb, your fat, your sugar. You know, we didn't do that. We said, this is a very busy mom 
who's also doing her master's degree and she's got a very negative relationship with food and she works also full time. She's got a very busy life. And we took 30 minutes and I said, this is, we're going to come in and out of the grocery store and you're going to learn to just be able to grab food to be able to make quickly. That's still going to nourish you. And that way, because her thing is like, she grazes a lot or she feels like she doesn't find that satiety. It's like, okay, let's figure out what you like to eat. We can make a meal in five minutes based on the foods you like and things that are easy to prepare. Again, I don't look at food as like, oh, this is, you know, semi-cooked and processed versus this is not, you know, it's got, it's got a lot of color. It's got a lot of flavor. You like it. It's convenient. It's going to let you nourish your body. Let's do it. And that's what we did. Yes. Food is not food unless you eat it. You can't get nutrition unless you eat it. (laughs) Exactly. What it is. (laughs) Exactly. So it's just, you know, a different approach. And obviously we talked about things like she loves salads. And so we're thinking about different ways to make her own salad dressing just because it is going to nourish her more than, you know, something store-bought. We did talk about that, obviously, because everybody still needs a foundation for nutrition. And I still want you to feel good about yourself and what you're putting into your body. But it's about Hey, let's see what works for you in your current state in life and how busy you are or what you're doing. And let's make it work for you. And let's take out that negative relationship that you have with food. And it's everything. It's the counseling. It's the grocery shopping. It's the meal prepping. Like you said, like your your way of meal prepping is much more realistic and much more (laughs) relaxed (laughs) than the ones that you see on social media. Yes. Um, So I love all those things that you incorporate with your clients. Thank you. Thank you. I, you know, I've, it's been a journey the past 15 months in building my practice, but I'm, I'm so proud of how far I've come and, and how I'm, I'm able to help people. And again, it's not that maybe the right approach for everybody. Some, you know, some people may want to work with a dietitian that does a particular diet or likes, you know, the meal prepping to a tea or counting macros or a keto diet, whatever it may be. Um, but this is my approach and, and I love working with clients that want to break free from that stress that comes with the diet culture. Do you find when you're working with your clients that you need to allow, you know, like I think about, you know, okay, I'm going to have a client come in. They're going to come in for an hour. Do you kind of set a time or do you feel like in those situations, you kind of have to be intuitive with your time that you spend as well? I do. I do have to be intuitive about my time. So it's like, it's a fine line. Like I, I feel, let's say I do a follow up with a client. Um, I'll tell them it's 30 minutes, but I'll probably save an hour just to see where it goes. Cause I definitely, because there is so much therapy involved, I don't want to just cut somebody off, especially sure. when we're getting into that nitty gritty. So it's, it really depends on my, on my day, you know, on the load of my day. But if they are someone that we're really, still on at the beginning phases and building that rapport and really figuring out what's going on in their life, I will leave more time just because I know that we really have to get into it and then also figure out small steps. And every, every week I give a client one goal, whether it's going to the grocery store and buying a food item that they've never tried before. And intuitively that's what they chose because it seemed appealing to them or the positive affirmations or, I mean, so many different things. Or if they've never stepped foot in the gym, just being able to say, okay, I'm, I'm going to go for a walk outside because the gym makes me uncomfortable. Or, okay, well, let's get over that, that, let's get comfortable with being uncomfortable and go sign yourself up at the gym and walk on the treadmill, whatever it is, you know, depending on the client. Um, so it's, it's about just figuring out what, what's best for each client and, and allowing myself time to, to provide that for them. Do you, do you kind of go by packages? Like when you have a, a client come see you, cause I would think that most of these clients, you build a relationship with them. I mean, you're like their dietitian. <laughs> so I would think that you do more, more, um, sessions with your clients. Yes, I do. So, um, when I started building my practice, I was realizing that a lot of, especially virtual dietitians were building like memberships. So that's what I do with my clients is that I do either a one month membership, which I, I think I have one client just doing that. And she just really needed a little bit of understanding with, about nutrition. And then I've got three month membership and a six month membership. And I've got a few local clients. I feel like because I live in a small town that's primarily like 65 and older, uh, the whole mindful, intuitive eating approach is kind of not their thing, <laughs> um, you know? Um, so I'll see local clients and just like basic nutrition needs. Um, but most of my clients are, are virtual and we do the monthly packages. So we do. And I just, and I really tell them, I was like, I can't help you in one session. I can't. 
No. Oh gosh, no. There's no, no. way. <laughs> no. Definitely you could no probably way. talk to him for five minutes and you'd be like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> we need a lot more time. Yeah. Do exactly. you use up do you use a virtual platform then for your business? I do. I use healthy. I absolutely love it because my clients are able to download the app and it's got a food journal and it's not like your typical food journal where you're, you know, writing down every bite that you consumed. It's let me take a picture and show my dietitian what I ate today. Or, um, you know, let me just write it in. And it focuses on hunger and fullness scale. So, yes, I was, you know, at a two when I was hungry and I, I over ate and I, I felt like I was at an eight. So we focus on that and that really helps to give them the tools while between our sessions. So we, I use healthy and then we could do video chatting on there. I do my charting on there, my billing. I mean, it's phenomenal to have a one-stop shop. That's <laughs> yes. awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And you personally, when you're helping your clients, do you find times, I mean, since you have gone through everything that you have in the past, do you ever find times where you feel like you have to kind of reconnect with yourself and take time away from clients? I do. And I'll tell you, I had a few months ago, um, a client that was, was very sick in, in her eating disorder and it brought back a lot of, a lot of memories for me and not necessarily positive and, and what she was going through. And I had to take a step back. I mean, I, I, I took time when she needed to take, take a few weeks off and go back to school. And it really let me kind of reconnect with myself. And I needed that because I was like, okay, this brings back a lot of, a lot of hardships for me. I need mm-hmm. to be able to just say, all right, time out, maybe for a while, not take someone that's that critically ill in their, in their ed and just focus on for now people that's got these strained relations with food and not so not necessarily to where they're at that point. And I mean, I was honest when I first took her on as a client, I said, let's see if we're a good match. And I told her my story and I said, I want to help you, but maybe you might need someone that basically above me that can help them more intensely. Sure. But you know, when things got there, just, we needed a little bit of a break and that's okay. Sure. I, under- I can totally understand that. That's what I figured too, that you have to still take care of you. Yes. First and foremost, because you have a family and you have a husband and a, and a daughter and that you, things don't work if you're not around. So exactly. exactly. And, and, you know, and you just mentioned my daughter, my daughter is my reason. And, and people say that. And I always, you know, obviously my the love for myself comes first because if I don't have self-love, I can't show my daughter how to do that. Um, but she, I never want her to have a stressful relationship with food. I allow her to eat the foods that she loves. I'm still trying to teach good nutrition. Obviously, she's fighting me on the vegetables right now because she's two. <laughs> so I'm trying to hide them in like tomato sauce and, you know, and smoothies, <laughs> calling it ice cream. But, you know, I, I never, <laughs> I never want that from her. When I was in high school and I was, and I was sick, my friends, I used to tell them like, I don't know how you guys sit there and eat pizza and enjoy it. I envied them. And I didn't understand it. And I never want my daughter to be on my, on, on the side that I was on. I don't want that. Sure. Sure. And that's, oh. you're going to, you know, that you'll, you will prevent that from happening to one woman at least. Right. Yes. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, um, you know, when I, my husband and I had just started dating before I went into treatment and he just said, I listen, I can't take care of you until you take care of yourself. And I, I can't love you until you love yourself. And, and I need that. I did. And, and that's, yeah, that is really what it, and it boils down to, like you said, it's all about self-love. And I feel yep. like, don't you feel like there's a lot of dietitians that struggle with that just in general? I, I do. And I think a lot of dietitians get into the field because they also have some kind of strain relationship with food and, or some kind of history. And it, it happens a lot. And I think that's, you know, the dietitians that do poop people on a very structured plan may have some kind of stress there. And it's, it's like, okay, let's recognize and how do we fix it? And we all should support each other, whether it's taking each other's webinars to learn and, and be able to not only help us, but help others. Let's, let's help each other out. Absolutely. I needed a dietitian's help and that's totally okay. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and do you kind of think like after you kind of got into your own practice. Cause I would, you know, I think about, you said stress and you talk about all the stress that we have in our lives. If you're not working in a job that you love, like you got to the point where you hated your job, that that can also affect your ability to have a good relationship with food as well. 
Yeah. And, and when I took on this job, it's because it was full time from home. I had just had a baby and I said, this would be wonderful. You know, I, I love doing menu, uh, menu analysis for facilities. That's one of my side specialties. Um, you know, and I was like, and I'll be able to be home with my baby, but it was so strenuous and I had not a very nice boss that, you know, that, that put a lot of stress on me. And I, I was, I also suffered through postpartum and that postpartum and that stress from work was making me go into habits that I hadn't in five years. And I was like, no, I'm not going down this road again. Absolutely not. And so I needed to get help again, which was okay, you know, from a therapist. And it was about, I need to get away from this job, A, to help people, B, not to put this type of hate and criticism and bashing on myself and this stress on myself. So my, I quit my job. My husband and I am very, I'm, I'm very honest with my clients, packed up our things, moved in with my in-laws. And I said, I'm going to figure out this business thing and, and I'm going to figure out how I can help people and reach out. And that's what I did. Good for you. That's a, that's a good message for all dietitians out there. Do what you love and you're passionate about. Yep. Cause it yep. makes the rest of your life so much better. <laughs> So much better. I'm so much happier now. And I realized when I was in that job that I hated and I had applied to 50, 60 jobs and random things, you know, pharma rep, um, I don't know, like <laughs> head shop manager, whatever it was, <laughs> and I wasn't getting callbacks. It, there was a reason for that. And um, the reason was because I, this was my purpose. And even I got turned down to be the dietitian for a major league baseball team that I thought that I was supposed to get it and I deserved it. And I bawled my eyes out when I didn't. And at the end of the day, like, that's not my passion. Any sports dietitian, good for you. You deserve that, you know, but for me, I was just trying to get out of a job I hated and not really finding what my purpose was. And this is my purpose. And I'm going to get there. I'm going to make it happen for my family, you know, because I feel like I deserve it. I feel like my clients deserve it and my family deserves it. And you can hear it in your voice. Like I can just tell that your clients love working with you because you are so passionate about this and that it totally trickles into everything else that you do in your life. And thank you for being so passionate. Thank you for being such a passionate dietitian. I love that about you. Thank you. Thank you. I I do. I love being a dietitian, Anne. And I I know that you do too. And hey, you do with this podcast, which is amazing and get to connect with so so many dietitians. Fun. It's so fun. Uh, I can talk to people like you. um, (laughs) Do you have, you know, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was, Uh, no, I was going (laughs) to, we're just kind of catching each other. I was going to say, do you have any, you know, for dietitians that are out there working and they, maybe they don't specialize in intuitive eating or, you know, mindful eating. Do you have any just easy, quick recommendations for them to do in their own practice to kind of incorporate that? Um, absolutely. So I just say like the first step in mindful eating, I, I, and I say this, every dietitian should tell their clients or, and I tell all my clients is use all five senses when it comes to eating. And when they like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, your food should be visually appealing. You know, they should be excited to what they're eating. If they hate that broccoli and it doesn't make them visually excited, <laughs> then they shouldn't be eating it, you know? <laughs> right. Um, they should be able to smell the food and, and really get excited and, and happy about the aromas coming from their dish. Uh, they should be able to taste. Uh, well, taste is the last one, but there should be different textures and um, in their food just because it makes food a lot more exciting when you've got something soft and something crunchy, crispy, whatever it is. And then, um, what it, oh, they should be able to hear themselves chew because they're chewing slowly and taking the time to eat. Or they should be listening also to maybe pleasurable music, conversation, not like, you know, the news that's, you know, all everything that's going wrong in this world and causing stress. I, I don't believe in that. And also they should be tasting food. For me, when I was blindfolded, which by the way, now the facility, um, uses that for other di- uh, not other di- other clients that have food scares the way I did, food fears, they blindfold them and have have them taste food for what it is. I just want to say that. Um, so I started something there, which makes me you very did. happy. I think I still think I you did. need to trademark that. <laughs> <laughs> I did. And I 
And I know that that happened because about a, uh, when I first started my practice, I got a client here locally that she had gone to the facility and she told me they did that with her. And I was absolutely bored. Oh yeah. yeah, they had told me a few years ago and I was like, okay, I'm sure you guys do. And they did it on her. And I was like, wow, I started that. Um, but anyway, so they should be able to taste their food. So whether it's closing their eyes, you know, just for a moment, whether chewing slowly and enjoying every bite, it's really, if every dietitian tells their clients use the five senses when eat, sitting down and eating a meal, that, that takes nutrition to a whole nother level. It really puts that mindful aspect. I, that's a great, I think that's so easy that we all could incorporate that into our practice. And so everyone, I hope you're taking notes because those were really good tips. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, I know that you have a client coming up. And so I think we'll probably have to do a part two. I say this to everybody. I'm like, we have to do a part two next year sometime. So we'll do a follow-up kind of check-in with you next year in 2018 and see what you're up to. But I have a few fun questions to ask you that I'm sure was difficult once upon a time, but maybe is super easy now. But what is your favorite food? Oh, my favorite food. That's a very tricky question because I love so many things. (laughs) Isn't it so fun to be able to say that now? You probably could not have said that 10 years ago. I could have not. Nope. I could never have said that. I will say um, I am primarily plant-based intuitively because I, I'm now a vegetarian because intuitively I am. But I will say if I do eat any animal, scallops are my favorite thing of all time. I don't know what it is, but just grilled scallops. My husband, anytime he's in trouble, he just grills up some scallops and everything is better in this world. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I will say that, yes. Yes. Awesome. I like. Well, I always feel like when someone else makes something to you, it tastes way more delicious. Oh, than yeah. 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 <laughs> there's, there's love and an I'm sorry in that. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> what is your favorite beverage or drink that you like? Um, club soda. I could seriously drink club soda all day and I didn't love it until I got pregnant and I was very wheezy and had a lot of morning sickness and it just made it all better. And I could seriously set regular water aside and drink club soda all day now. Love it. Just plain yeah. too. You don't even need a flavor. A plain or flavors doesn't matter. I'll take it. Cool. Yes. Yes. And then do you have a favorite scent? Oh, yes. Anything citrus, lime, lemon. I have a diffuser and any citrus smell goes in the diffuser. I don't want to smell anything else. I don't want, I don't want lavender. I don't want flour. I don't want bark. None of that. I want citrus. <laughs> bark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, so no bark for you. <laughs> no bark, <problem>. no. <laughs> and what brings you joy in life? I'm sorry? What brings you joy in life? What brings me joy? Um, Doing what I do and being a mom. Being a mother is very difficult, but being a mother is, I still, I look at my child, I still can't believe that I made that. And it brings me so much joy. She's my biggest purpose. And now being so authentic to me and how I help people just brings me so much joy. Being able to sit here with you and have this conversation just has made my day entirely. And, you know, sometimes days go hectic, but at the end of the day, I'm, I'm so happy with what I'm doing. It doesn't matter that I'm working, working maybe twice as hard. I love what I do and it just, it makes me so happy. Well, you are inspiring and I am so glad we have met and connected because I think we'll be lifelong friends and I hope everyone enjoyed this conversation as much as I have because it was amazing. Thank you so much, (laughs) Anne, for having me. And I love that you're doing this and I really, really appreciate it. And I loved meeting you and I, and I would definitely love to come back next year. And I'll of course see you again in person soon. Yes. I feel like we need to have a meetup. I either need to come visit you because I don't think you want to come to Iowa. (laughs) Just saying. I mean, it was, it hasn't really been on my itinerary in life, but you never know. I mean, it's true. You never know. Yeah. Well, thank you, doll. And you have a great rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Have a great day. Did anyone else out there get emotional during this conversation? I had so many aha moments when we were talking, even with my own personal journey and some of the negative things I tell myself when it comes to food and just being kind to myself is so much more important. Be good to yourself. Truly love yourself. There is only one you and food should not dictate the happiness in your life. 
If you struggle with any of these things, please follow Gisela on social media. You can find the links to her on social media in the show notes, and she will help you stay focused by her inspiring posts every day. I mentioned in my last podcast of 2017, a new partner and thing I love, Gnarly Pepper Greek Yogurt Dip Mixes. Gnarly Pepper creates custom blends like veggie and onion powder mixes that pair with any brand of non-fat or full-fat Greek yogurt. And it's an Iowa product, which makes me happy. You can purchase the mixes from gnarlypepper.com or amazon.com. And stay tuned for next week because I have a great podcast with the owner of Gnarly Pepper, Sarah. My website, annelizabethardy.com, is where you can read my latest weekly wisdom blog posts. I share my current adventures, which usually involve food, some workout music. Anything that's motivating me right now is a big thing, a really delicious and real deal recipe or what I love right now. You can also purchase my book and find all of my previous podcasts, show notes, and links to the things we talked about during our conversations. I would love to connect with you on social media. You can find me easily on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at AnnelizabethRD. Remember to be great always, find the joy in each day, and to start a conversation that truly matters.